0: welcome back everybody to that recruiter show with me rodney Stigal and david york so here we are episode 11 david how's everything going it is it is brilliant i am i'm i'm digging it um good
1: week i think you know we are um we're officially a week and a half into the new biz yeah. and it would seem that things are are going well you know a lot of connection some very real things in the pipeline for us and so couldn't couldn't be happier without how everything is going in that regard and then uh you know as we've we've mentioned i think on on other podcasts you know this
0: is kind of a highlight of the week i always really enjoy the the podcast yeah 100 percent. like this is i just enjoy it i guess that's part of yeah. being a recruiter you kind of yap a little bit which is funny because in my personal life i'm as quiet as a mouse like if you get me in a social situation i'm pretty quiet until you get like a drink in me which is hard to do like I don't I don't drop it. Uh-huh. And then I get going. <laughs> I
1: I get it. Yeah. No, I'm uh I guess it depends on my mood. And um, it's not that hard to get a drink in me, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, but uh, you get a little liquid courage and, and get me going for sure. But uh, no, this is this is good. And I think um, I think this week I you know, I'm really actually pretty excited about the topic. And so you know, not want to kind of get right into it because I actually think this is a little more um, direct maybe than some of the other conversations that we've had. And I think the other the other things that we've talked about are are, are brilliant and wonderful, but this I think gets a little more, I'm gonna say a little more tactical mm-hmm. in 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 approach. And we haven't really done that too much. And and what the topic that we want to talk about today is, is really is it's talent attraction and the challenges around talent attraction for a lot of, of organizations. And so, you know, there's, there's a litany of things I think that recruiters and hiring managers have to go through to make sure that, that they're tracking the right people uh, and ultimately hiring the right people, keeping the right people, et cetera. But um, I, I want to talk about some of those, some of those issues actually with it and also try to put in perspective the, the kind of the, the, the situation in the market currently. Because I don't know that everybody really understands maybe the realities of the market because you can't rely just on the the clickbait stuff out there in the press. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody right now thinks, you know, the tech world seems to be falling apart. Um and in some respects, like the layoffs, they're 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 terrible and they're tragic for for all the people that are impacted. But at the same time, it's not necessarily indicative of the entirety of the economy mm-hmm. or even really the the, the, the tech space. In its entirety and and I think that it's incumbent upon people to have that broader understanding than just you know the sky is falling which we, it would appear to do if you look at certain certain segments of the economy that tend to get a lot of press mm-hmm. right and so um, and so I think that getting into that and talking through some of that I think hopefully will be helpful to to the audience
0: yeah you know and, and I, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you David this exposes one of my weak spots I, I okay. I'm more than happy to talk about it but, you know, I th- and I think this is probably very common in our industry in that my strong point, I can come in and systematically look at a company's recruiting process, diagnose and, and really kind of get into the weeds of, okay, here's where I think we can get some efficiencies and things like that. But as soon as I kind of look at the, the, the talent attraction, the recruitment branding, the recruitment marketing, I can easily diagnose that. But as an individual contributor and, and a thought leader, I can't necessarily come in and say, okay, here's what we need to do mm-hmm. and, and I think it speaks to a lot of, of what you're saying in the sense that um, you know it's it's almost its its own entity within talent acquisition and its its own skill set, which isn't taught from a, an individual recruiter. Um, you know if, if if you put me in charge of recruitment marketing, I would probably be coming on like a drunken prom date. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think if you look at like typical recruitment marketing, it that's what it is, right? Hey, look, we've got all these jobs up. And, and you're just kind of throwing things out there versus, you know, I've got a friend who works for a company called Catalina Marketing. And hi, Amy. Um, I, I think of her as the Steve Jobs of, of recruitment marketing. You give her a recruitment marketing problem and, and she's just really smooth about what she puts out there, the messaging is crisp, it's clean. And it's like, you said, it's almost like an Apple brand, right? Where you understand exactly what's going on, but it doesn't have any of the um, clickbaity stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's rare in our, in our industry. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree. And I, and I, and I 100% agree with you that it is a different kind of person and you know over the course of my career I've been fortunate to work in some larger organizations and these large organizations often have their own recruitment marketing person mm-hmm. and that person isn't a recruiter right they are a marketing expert that happens to be in the in the function of recruiting to help with what we do and what they do is invaluable but I but I will say this though and it's fair to not you know for you and I to not be experts in that space because I think we know enough to be dangerous mm-hmm. and where there's a problem and be able to identify the problem. And then it becomes, okay, how do I bring in the expert, whether they're an internal person or, or whether it's going to get some external help to, to fix that specific problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that is part of actually being a leader is that here, nobody knows everything about everything. Right. And so, you know, our expertise lies in the point, uh, it, you know, certainly there's other ways to attract talent beyond just the, the marketing, which we're going to get into in a second, although the marketing is super important. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, and you've got to get that right, I would say, in, in order to really, really be um, in highly, highly effective in what you do. And one of the things that's interesting, and I'll, I'll kind of segue into something for a second here, is that if a recruiter is trying to work Rex and there isn't a strong brand presence, it makes it infinitely harder for them yeah. to, to attract that talent. Because if you don't, if a candidate doesn't know who you are at all, uh, they, they probably aren't even going to apply. Mm-hmm. And then if they do, you know, it, it becomes a bigger sell to get them to become truly interested in whatever it is that you have to offer because they just don't know. And so to the extent that a stronger brand exists, obviously that's, that's going to help you. What's funny about that, though, is that I would argue that most companies don't have a strong brand. You know, there aren't that many Coca-Colas in the world or, you know, or, you know, name your name, your big brand Apple. Right. And and so it becomes that constant battle, which is one of the things that that then falls back. Right. So now, you know, you, you layer that on with. All right. So it's already hard to attract talent because our brand just isn't isn't as known doesn't mean it's not a good brand doesn't mean it's not a good product but it's just not as known because maybe you're a mid-sized company or a smaller company but that becomes that much harder for the recruiters right and so yeah. then it becomes okay so now i'm a recruiter what do i do and how do i approach this knowing that i'm up against this and by the way i've been in organizations which have been like that too you know where, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things they try to they try to overcome and it's challenging but there are things you can do and i think
0: that, that that's what, what some of the the Ideas are that, that I want to discuss today. Yeah, would you would you kind of characterize it? And, and you know, if, if I'm a recruiter or recruiting manager, or director, or TA, or whatever, it's, it's almost would you agree that you have to really look at talent attraction in two streams? You've got kind of what I would consider the marathon and kind of an ongoing practice that needs to happen. And then mm-hmm. you've got a very tactical piece of it, which is kind of addressing your your action items based on whatever the order of the day is. Um mm-hmm. and and you know, I ask you that to get your opinion, of course, and then I've got some thoughts around it, but yeah, I think
1: I think you hit it on the head, right? And that's one of the things that I think people really need to to consider. If you're if you're a recruiter and you're in the trenches and or 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 if you're a director of TA or whatever, and I use the term recruiter sometimes to cover sort of the entire, you know, uh, uh recruiting sphere, is is thinking about the long term. Because I don't think that's what gets thought about very much. Because you get so mired, if you're a recruiter with 50 recs, you get mired only in the day to day. And you are unable now because you're playing whack-a-mole to to get to some of the more strategic pieces of it. And one of the things like I'll just throw this out there, is talent pools and creating talent pools and pipelines. Mm-hmm. That takes time. Yeah. Right. And so uh, there there's there's some extent, you know, if you have the right technology, that can certainly help you, you know, CRM systems and and, and things like that. But the reality of it is is that if you are playing whack-a-mole on a daily basis and trying to fend off hiring managers and see what candidates applied and, and all those things, you don't you don't get there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it becomes really challenging for somebody who's sitting in the recruiter seat to try to do all that. You know, which is one of the things that I I think that so many companies just don't understand. Yeah. It, 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 at all, you know, they put their recruiters in impossible positions. And, and I think it's incumbent upon leadership, whether it's the TA leader in conjunction with the HR leader or whatever, to make sure that you really understand what you're asking a recruiter to do. And, and, and in order for that recruiter to be successful, what kind of bandwidth they need to, to be successful. Yeah. And I just don't, and in my, I, I will tell you in almost every single job I've had, it has been the the opposite. It is the recruiters has fifty recs, and they just <laughs> got to go to town to figure it out,
0: yeah, it's inputs and outputs, right? And I, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most common I don't want to call it a complaint, but it's always you know an executive who's out of, outside of ta and says all they are doing is is combing whoever's applying to our recs. But no one's asking how many recs do they have and how many candidates are they juggling? Is that the logical conclusion of the workload that you've given your recruiters in the process that you have in the hoops they have to mm-hmm. go through? And right. no one ever asked that question.
1: No, no, they don't. And I will tell you one of the things that I think is interesting, and this is, you know, back to kind of my original comment, I was alluding to this as it relates to the market itself and and. The employment market, and I think that you know the, the latest jobs report just came out. Jobs, you know, the the jobless claims have ticked up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think uh, I can't remember what the numbers is. Three point seven percent, I think, yeah, is the. It went up point three percent. Yeah, something something like that. And so it it, it did go up, which which was a, which was counter to expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but probably making the Fed kind of happy. Right. Um They're trying to you know, they're trying to slow the economy down, obviously. Right. Everybody's feeling these interest rate hikes yeah. everywhere but, um, you have to dig deeper to understand really what's going on. And, and I was looking up some, some information, you know, in prep for this podcast, one of the things I found was, you know, in a McKinsey global Institute study, uh, Europe and North America will need 16 to 18 million more educated employees that are going to be available. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I didn't get any really, I, I didn't read any deeper than that. So I can't say specifically, you know what sectors, but then you can piece it together. Because even in that jobless report, if you if you go a little deeper, you can see that business services still have great needs, um, hospitality and leisure still have great needs. Healthcare, I think for anybody, and I and I feel for my healthcare brethren because I know that's that's just an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it still have needs, right? And there's and there's others I'm sure that I'm that I'm just not mentioning. Whereas you know there are certain sectors that that don't have as much in the way of needs. And, and you've got to think about that though, but if you just think of it in terms of the skilled and educated 16 to 18 million gap, that's enormous. That's massive. That's massive. And so, so now what you're, you're doing is you're thinking, well, you know, all I can do is see who applies to my requisition and there's already this gigantic gap like, that's working against you. And, and then, oh, and by the way, if you start digging even a little bit further and look at like, well of the candidate market, right? Of all the people that have jobs, how many people are passive? How many people are active, right? And active, just for those, you know, definitionally, right? Active are the people that are applying to things, mm-hmm. right? And the passive folks are are the ones that are not applying to things. Now it doesn't mean they might not have interest if you if you reach out to them, certainly. But, you know, you're looking at, at a huge spread there, right? It's like 30% of people are active, 70% of people are passive. So automatically, if you've tasked your recruiter with 50 racks, let's just say, or more, by the way, I've seen more, um, you're at, the, at best, you're going to get 30% of the candidate pool. Oh, and by the way, your your competition is increased significantly because there's a shortage probably in whatever area you're looking in. Mm-hmm. So so think about that as it relates to attracting talent and getting things filled quickly. Yeah. The, you just, you have effectively stacked the, the deck against you in a, in a huge way, and then guess who gets left
0: holding the bag? It's the poor recruiter. Usually. Right. It's like, how come you haven't filled my job, but you know, you've got 99 others. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm getting to it. (laughs) Exactly. And and I think you bring up a really good point. And when it comes to talent attraction and and looking at this gap, I think to tie it to brand let's, I mean, Mm -hmm. in my mind a, a smart play is to really look at that gap. And if I'm a business leader at the CEO level, I really want to address that from a strategic point of view to say, this mm-hmm. is what the labor market is becoming. And, and you literally have to design your business around that gap. And what we're seeing is not that. I think what we're seeing is, is people just stuck in a traditional idea of what work is, which mm-hmm. is I have this office building. You do the work in the office building. And my office building is in Miami or L.A. or New York or St. Louis or wherever. And you're stuck demographically when you do that. And there's just not enough adjustment to the we had this two year experiment where it happened. But again, when it comes mm-hmm. to talent attraction, that has to be part of your your larger brand. Now, I'm not saying a, a T.A. person has control over that, but they should be influencing that in their organization. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if if you're in TA, you obviously know where where people are in these markets that you're recruiting for. You have to start advocating to say, in L.A., we've got 60,000 of these types of people. Here's where they all work. This is what our addressable market is. Here's the chunk that we think we can get. But if we look remote, we've got 2 million of them across the, the country that we can address. And, you know, I think that's a smart play when it comes to talent attraction. And I agree. And I think as a, as a potential employee, it makes you look smart. Mm -hmm. You know, I, again, that's just kind of a thought. No, I, I would agree with that. And I would
1: even, and I would add to it in, in thinking in terms of it is the cost of not filling a role. Right. So if you're, you know, if, if you're a TA leader, especially, you know, hopefully you're beyond that and you're a business person on top of being a TA leader, right? And you understand whatever you're, you're in of uh, the business and, and the drivers of the business and, and those types of things. And so, you know, being able to quantify, well, if we don't fill this position, it costs X, right? And in most cases, I think that's a pretty, that's a actually, it's not even super challenging math. Certainly not in any sort of professional services environment where it is sort of an hourly, mm-hmm. an hourly look. At things, right? You can you can you can very easily address it there, but even in a lot of manufacturing organizations, you know the they're building. You know, you think of, I also use like Boeing for an example, right? So Boeing's building a seven seven seven. You know, there's all obviously all the materials costs and all the things that go into that too. But there's a gigantic man hour cost that mm-hmm. can be calculated. You know what the man hours are to design and build a seven seven seven. And if you are short of that, just like if you were short of, you know, the bolts, right? You can't put, you can't put the plane together. Right. Right. And so if you have a supply chain issue, you know, on, on the materials, right, that causes you pain, but it's no different if you've got a, I'm going to say supply chain issue in quotes on the man hour side of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there is a loss to you when it comes to not having people in place. And to the extent that you can quantify that, I think it seems, anyway, that that should get the attention of the C-suite. Yeah, in in some way, right? If it's like, well, if we don't do X, Y, and Z, it's costing you, you know, A, B, and C. That's that's a problem, and that means we can't, we can't serve our clients that we you know that we have can't go get new clients, right? So your business is being stunted because you don't have the right people in place. Um, and the reason you don't have the right people in place is our recruiters have too many rats. Um, and our marketing is where it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you have to frame that in such a way that they'll, that they'll receive it and probably not just as directly as I stated it, because it sounds more like complaining the way I stated it. <laughs> um, and it should not sound like complaining. It should sound like a business case. But, um, but all that, I think, I think matters a lot. And it goes right back to what you're saying is the, the brand side of it. Like if you're not <laughs> investing, whether that's in, in an internal resource or potentially working with some some very, very good firms out there on your recruitment marketing, you're really you're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. And and you're just you're just then paddling upstream all the time. And it becomes incredibly hard to ever get to where you need to be. Yeah. And then I can go down the whole rabbit hole of, and are you losing people? Um, you know, are you keeping your people, whatever, right? But all of that whole, you know, talent life cycle matters a lot for the success of business. And you'll even have CEOs, and I've read a no, number of articles that are saying, you know, you know, talent is my number one fear kind of a thing, right? Or lack of talent is my number one fear and our ability to hire. But they don't always put their money where their mouth is, if you will, or the You're resources right. where their mouth is. And so you can always tell, I think, how serious somebody is by where the money goes, right? Mm-hmm. Um You know, no matter what the question is, money is the answer, and so you you know that's exactly how you can do it. But I think that, to the extent, back to what you're saying, is that you can influence. I think that's that's what you have to try to do all the time in order to really make sure that you are able to do all the right things to attract your talent. Yeah, and
0: you you bring up an excellent point because you a as a as a TA leader and as a recruiter, you got to know how the money flows in your organization. And, and I think it's very interesting because as much as we bring to a company, um, oftentimes we're viewed in the C-suite as a cost center. You know, they look at our budget as throwing money away, right? You're never going to recoup that. And it's not, it's not the case. And I think as, as TA professionals, we have to push back on that. You know, very common uh, metric that CFOs come out with is revenue per employee. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very easy to look at that because it's oftentimes calculated by your CFO. If you're a TA leader to say, I just hired a thousand people. And if we're bringing in $10,000 per per person per year, here's what I'm bringing to the organization. I need more money to do this more effectively because we're still running a deficit of 200 people a year that we're not hiring that we should be. I I think that's a conversation that as TA people, we really as a profession need to push back on this idea that we're a cost center. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's hilarious on its face. (laughs) Oh, I, I agree. And it's not even just to try to like, you know, toot
1: our own horns necessarily as much as the reality, which personally is actually one of the reasons that, you know, I've talked about this sort of offline about, you know, I think why both you and I are in recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, versus versus some other area of human resources potentially, and that's not to impugn any other area of human resources because it's all important. But I love the fact that I can very directly show the value that myself or my team is bringing to an organization, mm-hmm. uh, and it's and you can you can use metrics, right? So there's nothing soft about it. It is very, very metrics driven, and and I can tell you very directly. How what levers I can pull if I have the resources to do so to either increase or what, or, or if I don't pull that lever, what that means mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the downside. And I, I've always really liked that and, and been able to, to really, I think, establish the value of, of what we bring. And I agree with you. I don't think TA is a, a cost center at all in reality mm-hmm. uh, and shouldn't be looked at it is, but you know, I think my hope Right. there's probably a better way to put it, that there's, you know, an evolution that will happen with that. And you've seen it within HR, right? It was mm-hmm. how long ago was it, you know, HR was personnel, right? Yeah. And, and so there has been, you know, an evolution in a positive way, I think. And, and I think the next step in my mind that would make sense is, is really look at your TA organization maybe a little bit differently than, than you do today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it'll happen, you know, and, and I think in a lot of companies that I've been with part of that, it's, It starts with, you know, maybe we should incentivize our corporate recruiters like we do agency recruiters. And I'm like, I don't think that's the case that we need to do it. I think we can obviously structure, you know, rewards around achievement. But treating them like agency recruiters isn't, you know, a lot of them get out of agency recruiting to get into corporate recruiting because they don't like that structure. Um, But I think you're starting to see corporate leaders thinking that way. Like, okay we need to rethink of, of how we do this, which is heartening to see. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I've seen a lot of, you know, CHROs starting to struggle with that and and kind of vocalize it, which is good. You know, I think it's just a yeah, matter of, agree. you know, having the thought leadership in place on your team to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think speaking of agency recruiters
1: so now, I, I do think that it, it bears thinking about. How agencies really play into the environment? Yeah, I was, I was um, just going to ask know, you this,
0: right? Because it's on the yeah, corporate side, so this is a that, totally different thing from
1: an agency, right? And on the and on the corporate side, and and I, you and I know all too well from from being in it for as many years as we have that you know corporate recruiting is is just different because you are encumbered by things. That all corporate people are encumbered by things, that I'm just going to say it's it's like the administrivia of a lot of it, right? There's mm-hmm. always, particularly large organizations, a lot of compliance that you have to deal with, and you know, and then it's even things like performance evaluations and all these things when right. you start to talk about leaders, right? So there's a lot of things that you are not doing that are directly related to recruiting. Let's just say, mm-hmm. right? So there's only so many hours in a day, and if your recruiters are spending time on things that aren't directly related to recruiting that's one less moment that they're not recruiting for you, right? right? And, and I think that what's nice about on the agency side is you don't have that so much. <laughs> you know, if you hire Roddy and I, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> Intrepidist we, talent solutions. We, you know, we have, you know, our, our firm is set up in such a way that we can scale up or down very quickly based on based on needs. And we aren't encumbered by those things. So we can just go out and find people for you. And, and that's where I think the value though of, of recruiting firms actually come in. So not even just us, right. There's a lot of great recruiting firms out there and, and we can bring things to bear just any different way. And particularly when you start to talk about the passive market, you know, know, we play in that 70%, you know, it isn't, it isn't post and pray kind of a, a, of a play for, for the agencies. I mean, maybe to some extent, some, some places, so it shouldn't be so general, but I think the agency's worth their salt play in that passive space, right? So now you've got, you're you basically you're hiring an organization like Roddy and myself to go out and play in that 70% and find people we wouldn't find otherwise. Yeah. And so I think that's what's, that's what's really important and where there's a lot of value and it might seem expensive out of the gate, but the value that it brings, I would argue far exceeds the cost to any company, yeah. right? Even if you're paying a you know a 20%, 25%, 30% fee on someone, it, the value that that person likely is going to bring to that organization exceeds that pretty quickly. And again, it goes back to this. Well, if you didn't have that person in place, it was costing you money anyway. So you stemmed that and you paid a fee. But now you've got that person in place who, who hopefully turns around and starts to you know, make up for that cost pretty fast. And, and again, we would argue, I, I would argue anyway, so I don't want to speak for you necessarily, but I think you would agree that you know, we have the ability to do that faster and more efficiently than a lot of corporate recruiting teams do, simply because we're set up in a more streamlined fashion than these corporate recruiting teams. And oh, by the way, the corporate recruiter has 50 recs, so mm-hmm. th- all they can do is see what comes in from the posting and have very little time to do any real sourcing outside of that. And that's not, to, and that's not their fault. Right. So I'm not saying anything negative about a corporate recruiter. Mm-hmm. It's simply a, a workload standpoint issue and, and letting us
0: supplement that so that you can fill some, some jobs, I think always makes sense. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, we, you know, we kind of work like commandos, right? We, we don't have a brand to go wave in front of somebody and say, Coca-Cola wants to hire you. You know, that's what we do. We, we, are able to kind of structure our search. And and because we play in that passive space and, and focus on networks, we have the relationships to really bypass that, right? We don't necessarily have to have um, a huge brand in front of us to say, you know, I'm David from Coca-Cola. I'm Rodney from wherever, Google or Pepsi. Um, it's personal, right? So we have personal relationships that we can go and, and bring and have these discussions on behalf of multiple clients, right? Not to say that we're going to, go have clients competing against each other, but we can handle multiple of those. And I think it's a totally different, um, you know, we talk about the marathon side of talent branding. It's a totally different approach to that because if, if we were to go and and any agency can go and brand themselves, but it doesn't really help as much because you never know who you're recruiting for necessarily. Right? So if we go and, and brand Intrepidous talent solutions in the Super Bowl, it doesn't necessarily help a candidate know where they're going to end up. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so we kind of, in, in this world, we rely on those personal relationships far more than a, a corporate recruiter does. And, and it's just about playing in that passive space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to your point, the marathon, right? So it's, you know, you're in this long
1: enough, you build a lot of relationships with a lot of people, Yeah. And and that's the first place you go. It's it's I'm not going to say rare, but it's I mean, when when you go out, you know, chances are whatever candidate you end up submitting, you probably got to that person through a connection Mm -hmm. um, and not just you posted something or you cold called somebody. I mean, that happens, too. Right. So that you can you can certainly you can take that approach. But the chances are, particularly for the for the larger firms, is that you get referred. You know, it's like, you know, you're talking to one of your connections, they refer you to somebody who then refers you to somebody, kind of a thing. Right. right? So, so, it be, so it becomes that sort of a play, but it all starts with that initial relationship. And, and I think it is, you know, it, and that's, that stuff, that's our business. So, again, it's not, you know, impugning a, a corporate recruiter. It just simply goes back to that's not exactly their business. Even if they want it to be and they try, mm-hmm. and a lot of them do, it's, they don't have when the time. Just, they don't have the time. You're so loaded up, you, it, it becomes very challenging for you. And so uh, but for us, you know, we're not running 50 reps right. at a time per person kind of a thing. And so we have that ability and we have the, you know, kind of the tenure and, and, and experience and relationships to really
0: serve people well. And I would argue, you know, there are some big firms certainly that, that are able to do that, too. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Right. And, and they're well worth their salt. And, you know, I, I, you've been in the same situation where you're going to hire one of the, the kind of white shoe executive search firms, whether it's Hydric and Struggles or or whoever it is, Spencer Stewart, they have five people in mind. As soon as they hang up the phone, they go call them. And the next day you are like, hey, I talked to so-and-so and, and, you know, he's doing what you want him to do in this big company. That is worth 30%. Now, I think the people paying the bill oftentimes will look at that and go, I don't want to pay that. Can't you do it yourself? But it's, you know, it's well worth it. And yeah. it's a it's a much shorter, you know, time that it takes to to get there than with your internal team. And don't get me wrong. And in, in those situations, when you're running the team, you want to crack at it, right? You you kind of want to. There's an ego piece of that that says internally, I want to be better than any agency. I don't want to see use any agencies. I want to show that I can do this better than than anyone else. But there's a cost to that. And if you if you are wrong about yourself. <laughs> And your team, Mm -hmm. that can be, you know, not career ending, but job ending.
1: Yeah. But you're starting to talk about some really high profile stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and I agree with you. And and you're right. It's those fees can be big on on big, you know, big money execs. But, Mm But again, I would go back to by not having that big money exec in place. What's happening? Right. Somebody's got to try to fill those shoes. Right. So, so either, you know, you're, you're, you're running somebody else ragged to try to do it. And chances are that person now has two jobs. And so there's no possible way they can give their all to both jobs. Mm -hmm. So, so it's kind of like, so what are you willing not to get done versus, you know, leveraging a firm to help you find what you need quickly,
0: you know, to get whatever it is done in, in that, in that sort of space. Yeah, and and to illustrate that, you know, at one point in my career we had hired like a president of our of the healthcare side of a business that we had. And it was a huge fee. It was like quarter million dollars, something crazy. And and someone, an executive came up and said, Couldn't you have done that? And I was like, No, no, I you know, I couldn't. I'm looking at this person that, that was hired through I don't know who it was, Russell Reynolds or something like that, and I was like, I didn't know that person. And You know, I didn't have a relationship to cold call them and get them directly out of, you know, Bain or McKinsey or wherever they they had come from to come here. And I would have struggled with that for six months. So Mm -hmm. it's probably worth that's that's why you go this route. Yeah. And I will say this for right or wrong.
1: It seems to me, particularly more seasoned folks in their careers. Will take a call from an executive search group more than they'll take more likely than they'll take a call from a, a mid level recruiter mm-hmm. at a company. Yep, you know, um, and it's I think it goes back to, to the reasons that that we that we just talked about at least in an ancillary way where there is there is some level of assumption that this person has a great beat on the market mm-hmm. has relationships with people. Chances are they probably know somebody that knows somebody kind of a thing and 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 that. Automatically lends, I think, a level of comfort and credibility and expertise. Whereas, I don't know that you always get that, you know, with somebody coming out of a a company. Again, you know, we're being a bit general because, you know, so please don't throw tomatoes at the screen if you're (laughs) if you're watching this and think about like, well, that's not that's not what I've seen. Because there are certain instances where I would argue that's not true, but I would I would say that it is true by and large. And these giant firms couldn't be in existence if it wasn't true yeah you know and 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 same you know with with Roddy and i starting our business here is is that you know we believe that we have a level of expertise and and connection to bring to the market that's different than many and and uh so far it seems to be be working in our favor and so I would argue that that there is a need and an itch that that we're filling and and i'm very happy about that certainly but um but again it's because the need exists for us right
0: right it is a pillar of talent attraction like what we mm-hmm. do the service that we provide the service that these other companies provide is a pillar if you're if you have a healthy talent attraction strategy in a company it's it's a lever that you pull when you need to and you know similar right if i were to kind of boil down what we've been talking about you've got to have some some talent marketing help right whether that's you're talking mm-hmm. to bayard tmp or or, you know, radian, radiancy or whoever that might be, you've got to have an expert in branding on your team that is helping you run that marathon. You also need someone who can tactically kind of put the messaging out there. So you aren't coming off like a drunk, drunken prom date day to day on your, on your company LinkedIn page, like, look at this job, look at this job that gets old really fast to people. Mm-hmm. And And you have to have, you have to kind of use that attention that you get from that wisely. And you have to, kind of respect the time um, that people are looking at your website. So there's an art to that, that I don't mm-hmm. think that all companies have down.
1: No, candidates are savvy.
0: Candidates are savvy. Yep, 100%. So, I, you know, I think that's a very core component of your your talent attraction. I, I think that your business, and this is probably out of control from the day-to-day recruiter, certainly, you know, even TA leadership, but your business has to be savvy in in being able to produce a a brand that people want to work for. That's not necessarily in, in the hands of a TA department, but it is a core component of your your talent attraction strategy. And mm-hmm. so you should be influencing that if, if you're on if you're on a TA team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And influencing it, even potentially training on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And that's that's kind of where we didn't go in this. And I don't I don't think we need to go down the rabbit hole, but I do just I think it bears mentioning that you know, once you find a candidate, you got to put them through the proper process too, mm-hmm. right? And the process needs to be efficient. Your hiring manager should be engaged. Everybody should be aligned in the messaging. And that's where I think that the, the, the TA folks can be influential in getting everybody on the same page. Yeah. And again, sometimes it's gonna go south here and there. We've all had those kinds of hiring managers multiple times probably, but the extent that you can influence it and get, it, get everybody on the same page, get some SLAs committed to, hey, if I send you a resume, um, if somebody that I talk to that I think you should talk to, you know, I would ask that you get back to me within 24 hours because the other side of it is the longer this drags out, the worse the candidate experience mm-hmm. and the less likely the candidate is to accept. Oh, and by the way, you've probably spent a lot of hours on that candidate. Right. And, and now to lose that candidate simply because you won't make time in your scheduled interview or whatever it is, it's just. To me, that is just silliness, but it happens all the time. And so, it's not only you know it's hard enough to find the people that you think are the right mm-hmm. people, as we've discussed. But it's now once you got a hold of them, all the things you have to do appropriately to to get them through the process, make them feel good. Obviously, you assess them along the way too. But that that's that's the other critical piece of this, where I think TA can't control everything, certainly.
0: Can influence and guide yep one hundred percent one hundred percent because it 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 gets out quickly if you've got a bad experience in your process, and again it starts it starts to go south really fast, you get a couple of those out there on glassdoor or wherever it might be, and people are looking and and so yeah, I think that's another core component to this, and I think you know along with with pulling the the ex the the external lever right. Right. So, but if you don't have a candidate experience planned that delights people you're in trouble yeah yeah you're now you're really really continuing to roll upstream mhm yeah i mean especially you know all the other things that we talk about if you don't have them in place you you don't really you're not paying attention to your the marathon of of branding or the tactical pieces of your branding your your leadership team doesn't care. They come in five days a week, don't care. You know, whatever that might be, right? And you, you've kind of got a reputation in, in the market for not being the best place to work. And then you've got an experience for candidates that they come in, they're like, Ugh. you know, it takes forever. You know, they are um, treated like a number. All those things, right? Your attraction score just goes down on Again, it comes down to those core components. And even if you yep. if you come to a, a company like ours, and you pull your external lever, we can't necessarily overcome that either. Right. All we can do is give you right. access. So it's yeah. You know, I, I I don't know if we're missing anything, but to me, I think that that kind of sums up the core components of of a talent attraction strategy.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree, Rodney. I think we I think we hit on all the major on all the major points and. You know, if you think, and just even thinking about, you know, glass back to Glassdoor, and I think, and I'm, I think this bears mentioning because if if, if you're a recruiter or a recruiting leader and you haven't been active on on looking at Glassdoor mm-hmm. uh, to see the the types of posts and things that you're getting, you really should do that because I think of all of the social media, that's one of the the most prominent spaces where people will go look to see. Mm-hmm. What people think of your brand. And, and again, you know, you're always going to have that disgruntled person on there. So I, I don't think ever expecting perfection is real, but, but you need to, you need to really manage it because you, you know, it's something like, uh, you know, I sat, I saw was 75% of job seekers consider an employer's brand um, before applying, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you could probably extrapolate that out to just considering an, an, an employer of, of any kind. And, and they, they look on, glass door more than anywhere. Right. So pay attention to that because it's, it's really, really important for your brand. And that even goes down to, I will tell you this, it will go as far down as students on campus. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a campus recruiter and you're looking at folks, you know, at name your, name your college, if your brand isn't good on, on glass door, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle for you to get the best talent. You'll get talent, you know, mm-hmm. it probably on campus, but is it going to be the talent that you really want? Right. That's where the questions come into place. And I, I just, I encourage people really to pay attention to that because I think it's incredibly important.
0: Completely agree. And, and I think it's one of those things where you obviously can't control it once it's out there, but you have to address it. And right. I, I think I've, I've run into organizations before that, that try to, to minimize it as a way of addressing it. But I think you have to, have to really look at that as an organization and, and kind of say, is this real? Is this what's driving this feedback? Especially if it's systematically consistent across Glassdoor. Um, right? You know, and, and if your organization isn't doing that, then you know, God bless you and good luck.
1: Yeah, it's just going to be that much harder for you, and it's hard enough. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so
1: you know, any lever you can pull to make this a little bit easier, I recommend it for obvious <laughs> for obvious reasons,
0: right? Right. So I think, um, but yeah, no, I think that I think that pretty well sums it up. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I would say thanks everybody for listening. Um, it's been fantastic. I, I I've enjoyed the journey. Here we are, episode eleven, I believe. Um, you know, if you have any questions, email us d York at com or rstagal at intrepidus dash T S dot com. And uh, you know, don't forget to subscribe to the show to get updates on, on when the next episode's coming out. Anything, David? Awesome.
1: Nope, that's it. Thanks everybody. And um, have a have a wonderful rest of your week.
0: Yep, and thanks for listening to that recruiter show.